best part of the Stanley Cup playoffs is, uh, yep, bucked off, you get back on the horse and you get down that trail. It is game day for the Vegas Golden Knights. Game three against the Vancouver Canucks in the second round Stanley Cup playoff series that's occurring in the Western Conference in the hub city of Edmonton. Welcome to the VGK Daily, Darren Millard, along with radio play-by-play voice Dan Duva, who's not just the voice, he's a real person. I keep saying that over and over again. You are a real human being. Uh, as long as I'm doing the show with Darren and not say John Wayne. <laughs> Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Uh, that's, a, that's a very good uh, way to start. So we'll go back to our roots, uh, the roots of, uh, of hockey. And that is, uh, one, keeping it simple, and uh, number two, starting on time. And that will be a challenge for Vegas because three of the last four games, they've fallen behind by a pair. You know, Darren, when we put together the podcast, we think about how to talk about different topics, but also in presenting the podcast, the description on the VGK Daily. Mm -hmm. What title might we give the show? And the word counterpunch kept coming up in the show, in a couple of the interviews that we did. And I'm thinking, we're having this conversation. We know Vancouver's going to come back with something. And how is it that the Golden Knights weren't quite ready for that, or they weren't as dialed in from the beginning? They used that fourth line to start every game. And it wasn't just them. You know, the next shift, the next shift. Here comes Tyler Toffoli, his first shift after missing the previous 10 games. And he's basically skating on one foot, not as mobile. I mean, he's not a particularly great skater in the first place, but further hobbled. And he finds himself right there for a goal minute and a half into the game in his first shift since early August. So a lot of those things, I just wonder if we all knew that it was coming and we were asking about it and we were getting all the right answers in response, how is it that they didn't actually play as if they were expecting the counterpunch? So how much do you think that belongs to Vancouver and the responsibility with the Canucks, who are much better? No doubt about it. A lot of credit to Travis Green. And I think that uh, Tyler Toffoli's return to the lineup, not only because of his three-point performance, but also the confidence boost it gave to some of the other guys. And you can expect, you know, your Edlers and even your Horvats, the captain, they're they're tried and true. But the youngest players like Quinn Hughes, like Elias Pettersson, I would imagine without knowing them personally, I've only interviewed them and talked to them very briefly. But you would think, based on what Travis Green said earlier in the postseason, that some of his players were nervous when they lost that first game against Minnesota. They looked like deer in the headlights at times in game one against Vegas, that maybe the boost of the confidence from Toffoli's return helped those young guys in particular. And for Pedersen and Toffoli to be involved in that first goal so early just set that confidence off a launch pad to another level that it just continued through that first period. Relaxed them probably, yeah, right? Exactly, yes. G- gave them a, a little bit of a foundation, an opportunity to establish themselves. Uh, well, Vancouver saw Vegas at their best in game number one, and we might have saw Elias Patterson at his best. He was incredible. You'll hear Mark Stone talk about the Vancouver blossoming superstar in just a moment, but first... Uh, Jonathan Marchessault led off by Pete DeBoer on this series and going into Game 3, what they've witnessed from the opening two. If, if our attention to detail and commitment to the game plan and and what we did was, was great and we lost, um, you know, sometimes you just uh, uh, move on to the next one and, you know, tip your hat. To, I, I think we had a game like that in, in the first round with Crawford that we lost where, you know, we did we did a lot of things really well, and and Crawford basically stole the game. You know, there's not much you can do about that. You don't spend a lot of time on that. You just 
you know, trust that if you stick with it, it's going to work. I think last night was a little different. You know, I, I didn't like our attention to detail or commitment to the game plan in the first period. Um, and we have to understand that when you get down to the last eight teams, uh, you can't have periods like that. Uh, I thought we fixed it in the second and really made a big push and, and easily could have come out of that period with, you know, tied or ahead, but uh, it, it was a little too little too late. Yeah, I mean, we definitely gave them a lot of room. I mean, uh, their skilled players uh, that were coming in Arizona like nothing. Uh, it was it was too easy for them. We make uh, we make their 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 life easy out there. So it's uh, it's on us to go back at how structured we were in the first game. And uh, but at the same time, it's all in the in their credit. I mean, they played a good game and we played a bad one. So. Uh, it's a it's a one one and uh, we need to move on with what we were successful uh, in the first game and repeat that. We've played against high end skill uh, ever since we've been here. There, every team that's that's in this uh, Stanley Cup playoffs has good players, has great players. Um, you know, they're going to get their chances, they're going to get their their um, their looks. But taking away time and space uh, for those guys is is the most important thing. Um, when you start to feel comfortable, that's that's when they start to um, start to take advantage of us. And I think yesterday we gave those guys a little bit too much time and space to to dipsy doodle. So Pedersen makes you back off, and that's going to have an impact on on how Vegas defends. But there's a flip side to this, and and that is. Vegas has done a great job. Uh, I don't know how many opportunities Alec Martinez has had on the power play, but it's more than he's had the last number of years uh, with Los Angeles <laughs> Kings. Uh, Shea Theodore, all-around game. You're seeing some real contributions that was missing uh, for this team in the front half of this campaign. And when you think about Shea Theodore's emergence from cancer last offseason and an adequate start to the year, but really taking off middle of the season, you feel your stride. Nick Holden was his partner for a while, and I think that uh, coincided with Shea doing more. And then Alec Martinez comes over, and who wouldn't want to be paired with Alec Martinez? And from what we understand, Shea and Alec have gotten along especially well off the ice, too. How much that affects their on-ice play, only they could really tell us. But Alec hadn't scored a power play goal in two years. And he has one of the five the Knights have scored. Shea Theodore has another one of those five. And though the Golden Knights uh, have not produced as much on the power play as you might think, they do have um, actually more power play goals from their second unit than from their first unit. And then the defensemen involved in all that. You talk about Shea Theodore, you talk about Alec Martinez. There are points from defensemen at a level that we're not accustomed to, especially earlier this season. Yes, Shea Theodore is the um, the lion's share of that production. And now, including the last game, game two of the series, a four-game scoring streak, a goal and five assists during that streak. He leads the Golden Knights in, in points uh, by defensemen, and he's right there with Mark Stone and Riley Smith for the team lead. So you're looking at... Um, production from the blue line and um, and that as a continued uh, revelation for this club, especially since Pete DeBoer took over. And I still can think of in practice in Ottawa, Pete DeBoer's first time coaching the team uh, for a practice and Nate Schmidt flying the D zone and how guys are getting up 
ice quickly. And Mark Stone told us earlier about how the defense transporting the puck up ice, allowing the forwards to use their speed. But a lot of times it's those defensemen showing off their speed too. Nate Schmidt is one, Shea Theodore is another. So I, I think that when you compare the Golden Knights to other teams in the playoffs, the production from the blue line, goals and points and percentage of those categories, only Dallas is better. And that percentage might get a little higher if they can find a way to get more, a higher percentage of shots through. But be careful. Everybody listening to the VGK Daily, uh, listening to Dan and Gary on the broadcast, uh, you know, shot blocking is uh, is one of those trendy topics. And uh, a lot is made out of, uh, of Vancouver blocking 40 shots in game number two. Mark Stone just, uh, I'll, I'll let him describe the situation that's happening on the ice and maybe that there's two parts to this whole scenario. Shoot quicker, uh, find those lanes. Um, you know, we, we had 40 shots on net as well. So, um you know, it's you just got to keep wearing wearing them down, wearing them down. Keep shooting, uh, finding ways to get pucks through, ha- having traffic in front. Um, the quicker you move the puck, get them moving. So he was uh, that's when you when, when you create lanes. So yeah, you they're blocking shots, Dan, but they're also getting forty shots through. So you don't 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 listen to one without observing the other. You. Compare the shots, the shot attempts, the shots blocked, the shots missed. Vancouver missed a ton of shots in the first period. Clearly, the mission was shoot the puck as soon as you get it in that first period. They had more shots that missed the net than shots on goal and shots blocked combined in that first period. It changed later on. But you also wonder about the quality of the shots, you know, when you are taking them. And again, the idea for Vancouver in the first, just put the puck towards the net, get Robin Leonard moving. You know, for a guy that is normally composed in his place. Meanwhile, for Vegas, you look at a Vancouver defensive zone structure that was much more compact. The Knights were so successful. They gave Hughes and some of the other defensemen fits in game one. They were much more compact. There, There was a lot of traffic in the slot. So the Knights were putting the puck into a forest of players. And so the the quality, the high danger numbers will tell another story and if you can find a way of, of solving Markstrom, and the Knights have had great success. The Canucks had never beaten the Golden Knights in regulation before. Markstrom's goals against average coming into this series against Vegas was over four. So the Knights have found ways of beating him before. It seems that Travis Green had adjusted things to allow the guys in front of him to give Markstrom and his six foot six frame a, a big boost. And I, I, I wonder how many of those shots from Vegas might have missed the net, but because Markstrom occupies so much net, he got a piece of it. He gets credit for a save when yeah. the puck never really had a chance of going into the goal. You know, there's a, a saying uh, about the Vegas Golden Knights that they, uh, they, can, uh, they talk the talk and they can walk the walk. And uh, I talked to somebody who's inside the bubble, inside the rink in Edmonton, and they said, by far, of all the teams in Edmonton that have uh, departed and are still there it is the loudest bench it's 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 not even close and 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 the segue from that is there's been some noise around this team the last couple of days off the ice with social media uh jonathan marcheseau posting some uh comments on instagram he owned them uh he apologized for them and i thought uh, jonathan pete DeBoer, and mark stone did a really good job about dealing with what they have been uh handling inside the bubble and putting that to the side I mean, I was frustrated uh, uh, from the game, obviously. 
but uh also i get i get sensitive when it, when people comment like uh, family pictures and stuff like that so it kind of got the the best out of me but there's no excuse i mean you i should not get involved with that and i mean i uh i sincerely apologize for uh for my comments like i said earlier and uh, i mean um like i regret it and i apologize i don't think it's been a distraction for us at all um We're the, we're the tightest group I've ever played for. Uh, we back each other. Um, we take a lot of pride in um, playing with each other. Um, so I don't think these these are distractions for us at all. Uh, the focus today was um, on how we played last night. I had nothing nothing else. Uh, we didn't play our best hockey, and today we addressed that. Uh, I didn't direct Marshy to make any type of statements. I think, um, you know, uh, he addressed it for what it was. And um, for me, it's over with. Uh, you know, it's a lot like uh, the situation with Alan Walsh and Flower. I mean, um, you know, that, that stuff doesn't enter uh, our dressing room or what we're doing, uh, you know, in getting ready for the next game against Vancouver and looking at, uh, you know, the things that we need to fix from the last game against Vancouver. Noise only bothers you if you listen to it. Yeah. It's hard, though, sometimes. But I, th the way they responded in game one, coming off the weekend, and what happened there, is the perfect response and what they'll be looking for tonight in game number three. Noise comes in a lot of forms, and sometimes it's from the outside, Sometimes it is created by the outside, but you can't resist responding. And sometimes it's team to team, the verbal energy within mm. a game. There's all kinds of noise. And I think the noise that we're talking about here, it actually fits into a few of those categories I just outlined. And first on Marcia, so I've known Jonathan since early in his career in the American Hockey League, and he has always been passionate and fiery. And you like that about him. Sometimes it gets out of control and it manifests on the ice. Sometimes it might get out of control and you saw what you saw on social media, but you can at least appreciate the passion and the fire that he has. And the question will be, can he channel it? The noise on the ice, the chirping from Ryan Reeves and the Roussel, everything from game one, the Canucks said, well, we didn't hear much of that in game two. What that plays into for Game Three, you know, Pete DeBoer admitted in one of his press conferences that he's had to bite his lip at times because so many players do have clever and witty things to say when chirping the opponent. That's all part of hockey. We're hearing it more often because there are no fans to drown it out. So there are different aspects of noise, but it is just that. Whether it's a tweet from an agent, Instagram responses from a player or the barking between players on the ice. Ultimately, what you can control is your play and not that outside stuff. And if you can zero in and have the passion and direct it in the right places, the Golden Knights are the better team. That doesn't mean they're going to win the series. But if they remain focused and they channel that energy and deflect the noise, uh, diffuse the noise, then they ought to have a bounce back to the likes um, that we have seen in previous uh, situations. And should I uh, remind you? Yes, I will. Uh, nobody has been better in the bubble, either bubble, than the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, just uh, two losses uh, in these 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. And now we'll see the response, the counterpunch. What happens 
in game number three tonight? The first time the Knights lost, which was against Chicago game four of round one, it was a well-played game. It was Corey Crawford in a lot of ways stealing the show. The Blackhawks overall, a strong and desperate team facing elimination. And Vegas responded to that with another win. But you would have taken that same game the next time out. Exactly. The players and coaches were pleased with the effort. Sometimes two good teams play. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. Not because of self-inflicted wounds. The Golden Knights' loss in Game 2 against Vancouver was self-inflicted to a much larger degree. Not to discredit Vancouver. A lot of things improved for the Canucks after maybe a self-inflicted loss in Game 1, right? Mm-hmm. They had only the one-day turnaround, one day off between series and so on. Toffoli comes back. That's the boost. We've outlined all of those things. But the Golden Knights are uncharacteristically sloppy. And I don't just mean in execution, though there was some of that. It seemed to me not as much focus, not as much energy in um, and commitment in, okay, here's what I've got to do. Here's my assignment. This is where I need to be. It was more going through the motions in too many moments. Not the whole game, not for even a majority of the game, but frequently enough that the Canucks took advantage because the Canucks were ready. The Canucks wanted to answer back. They had to be. They needed to answer back while their aspirations for a series victory still wore a hopeful aspect. You can't have a team like Vancouver fall behind a team like Vegas two games to none. Three none is almost impossible. It's only happened four times in NHL history. But even two nothing, when the higher seed goes up two nothing, the numbers are still staggering for that team to go on to win the series. Vancouver, while not facing elimination in Game 2, needed a strong pushback, if for nothing else, the mental side of it to see, okay, we lost 5 nothing in Game 1. Can we play with these guys? They clearly can. It's been since February that the Vegas Golden Knights lost two in a row. Like... <laughs> So they'll be out to uh, avoid that tonight. But that gives you an idea of just, I, mean, I know the pandemic, but you go back yeah. to winning 11 of their 13 before the pause and then coming out and being so good in the bubble that uh, this team uh, has an, an ability to answer the bell right now with confidence. And they don't like being uh, schooled and they don't like being beaten. I'm not saying those both happen because they, they certainly take responsibility for some of the mistakes that, that occurred. But uh, coming out in the wrong end, they want to be better. We'll see what happens tonight. They made it hard on the Canucks young players in Game 1. They did not make it nearly as hard for them in Game 2. Can they once again put the pressure on Vancouver's players, in particular their young players, and give them fits? And then I'll also be interested to see who the goalie is for the Knights. Do you have a hunch? I, I don't, don't think they make a change. I don't have a hunch. I can only offer what my thought would be. And Marc-Andre Fleury, let's just say that something bad happens. The Knights lose this series in six or seven games. And if Marc-Andre plays only the back-to-back games, as he had in game three against Chicago and potential game later in this series when a back-to-back is scheduled, if that's the only time you use Marc-Andre Fleury, that's going to be hard to swallow. If you've got a Hall of Fame future Hall of Fame goaltender with all this playoff experience there, whereas Robin Leonard played in really one other postseason. He was great in that first round, but lost defiantly in the second round. I wonder if you're making the best out of the two goaltenders if one is getting much more playing time than the other. That's why Dan Duva is so sought after to be on the VGK Daily as Mm. much as we want him. Yeah, talk to my agent. He he, he brings that (laughs) stuff. 
going to leave agents out of this thing, okay? <laughs> when we're discussing goalies. Yeah, good point. At this point. Uh, thanks for doing this, Dan. I look forward to your call. Pre-game show at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports Las Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. And then... Dan Duva and Gary Lawless have the call at 6.45. Enjoy game three tonight. Dan Duva, our guest on the VGK Daily. Uh, thanks for listening. We will chat with you again tomorrow where we will break down a 2-1 series lead for Vegas or Vancouver. Thanks for listening.